Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watts Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of September 30th through October 2nd, 2022. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's there. Hope everyone's doing well out there. Hope that someone woke you up when September ended. Uh, after last week's short episode, we had a bit of catching up to do with headlines. However, uh, we also have to take care of some box office numbers from this past weekend with two new openings in the top five. I'm also writing this uh, the night before I go on vacation out of town with my family. So let's not waste any time, shall we? In first place this weekend was horror film Smile from Paramount, hitting $22.6 million this weekend, breaking the, the streak of $19 million openers. Uh, in 36.50 theaters, that translates to about 6,195 6, per theater average. Um, add in some about uh, $14 million overseas, and you're looking at about 36 to $37 million worldwide off of a budget of $17 million, which is a pretty big win for the studio in a year of wins for Paramount. Smile was marketed with some pretty clever stuff, including having actors stand creepily behind home plate at various uh, baseball games uh, on TV. Overall, I got a B- on cinema score, 77% critics, 80% audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Pretty decent for a horror film, so it may not have super long legs on this one, but I think this one can be counted as a success. Uh, in second place, Don't Worry Darling, as expected, had a pretty steep drop in the second weekend, falling 65%, down to $6.7 million in 4,121 theaters, for a per theater average of $16.62, and a running total of $32.3 million. $21 million worldwide puts it at $54 million overall, not quite break-even with its $35 million production budget. Uh, the Woman King came in third place with a more respectable 38 drop in its third weekend, down uh, 3,504 theaters for $6.8 million, only about 20,000 actually separating between Don't Worry Darling and The Woman King this weekend. Per theater average came in in 1948 and a running total of $46.5 million. Still has not really expanded globally at only about $50 million or so worldwide. However, its production budget was $50 million, which is higher than Don't Worry Darling's, so while it's likely going to still continue to gross more than Don't Worry Darling in the coming weeks, uh, it still has a longer way to go to profitability. Fourth place went to the Avatar re-release, dropping 52% in its second week and uh, second week of its two-week engagement, making $5 million flat in 1860 theaters for a per theater average of $26.95. A higher per theater average than both Don't Worry Darling and The Woman King, uh, likely due to the higher ticket prices for IMAX. As of this weekend, it's made about $18.9 million over two weekends and one set of week- weekdays. Uh, you can count my money in there as well as I ended up watching it this past Saturday in preparation for Avatar Way of Water in December. Uh, also, fun fact, this has pushed Avatar to be uh, $2.9 billion worldwide, so yet another benchmark for this film. Now, fifth place went to another new film, though arguably it, this one had more press than even the number one film for probably the wrong reasons. Bros, which is a gay rom-com starring Billy Eichner from Universal, opened to only $4.8 million in 3,350 theaters for a paltry $14.49 per theater average. A lot has been posted online about why this film didn't succeed, uh, particularly, uh, particularly by Billy Eichner. Um, after all, you know this one had a pretty decent reviews out of film festivals and even some buzz as a potential scre- uh, screenplay nomination at the Oscars. Cinema score, a Rotten Tomatoes, excellent, 90% critic, 91% audience. Uh, Eichner claims on Twitter that it was pretty much all straight people who who did not show up to the film uh, for the gay comedy being the main reason this one flopped. Um, though, while, uh, while there was this bear, uh, the user on Reddit, uh, on the box office subreddit, did the math and assuming 0% of its audience was indeed straight, only 2% of the gay population of the United States ended up seeing gross this weekend. Um, while there is certainly some truth that perhaps in more conservative areas, 
areas of the country, the demographics of the audience who saw bros uh, skewed away from the LGBT audience, though, of course, uh, exit surveys don't really track that. Um, I Or rather... Sorry, the, the audience skewed toward LGBT audience and maybe it didn't do well in, in, in more conservative regions. I think the bigger issue is that rom-coms simply are not box office draws anymore. There's another user on Reddit, uh, Psych Apples, who put together a list of rom-coms from 2010 onward. Looking at that time period, 55 rom-coms over, what, at this point, 12, uh, you know, 12 years have been released theatrically. Of these, only 18 were profitable off of only domestic grosses, and 22 more uh, were only profitable considering you know, national grosses, um, assuming profitability is 2x their budget. Frankly, rom-coms are just the kind of movie that you probably turn on, to net- turn on Netflix, you can get a dime a dozen on there. Um, it's not something that people will pay to go see in theaters anymore, right? Um, it went from and you know, and, and they're not even putting them out that often anymore, right? You have eleven released in theaters in 2010, down to only three being released this year alone. Four of you count the upcoming uh, Ticket to Paradise. Now, this is according to the numbers. The categorization isn't always the best, um, but still, we we're working with what we've got here. Adding to this that many countries internationally are just not opting to run the film uh, due to objections of LGBT content, and this was a doom proposition from the start for the studio to have it as a theatrical release, frankly speaking. Sir, he can claim it's historic all it's want for being you know, the first major studio LGBT-ridden and starring rom-com, which some others have taken uh, 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 issue with, but you know, at the end of the day, what it's... It, I think what people want to hear about the film is not that it's historic, not that it's important to see, right? Which I think, you know, I, I made a claim that, hey, you know, uh, Easter Sunday a couple months ago, a, la- a couple months ago was going to be big because it's historic for the Filipino community. That's not why people wanted to go see a movie. They wanted to see it because it's funny and people didn't find Easter Sunday funny. Maybe people found it funny here, but if you're being told it's more historic than it is funny, uh, you know, that might not give the wrong message about why you should see a film. Like something like Crazy Rich Asians is also historic, but... People, you know, a lot of the marketing was about how you know musical and theatrical and extravagant uh, the the production was with John and with John and Chu's you know musicality and his directing, right? Um, I mean, you know, if you can go, if you can see, even if you know, even if people are not homophobic, right? See, so people are not homophobic. Why would they spend money to go see a movie in a genre you can get a dime a dozen on Netflix? Uh, and again, this film doesn't really have a major leading Hollywood star. Apologies to Billy Eichner, but he ain't it. Um, especially if they don't think it's targeted to them. If you know they're saying, "Oh, it's an LGBT film. It's an LGBT film." Well, it might not be something that you can like. You know, it, it, if you keep saying that, it might be something. It might turn people who aren't LGBT away from the film. Like, there was a line in the in the in the trailer saying, "Straight people had a great run of it," which seems like. You know, not the best way, I guess, to like really attract a broader audience, right? Um, and you know, on top of that, right? Like, like I, apparently, I haven't seen the film myself. Call me one of call me one of those people Eichner's mad at. Mad at. Um, you know, apparently, you know, be, being an R-rated film with you know gay orgies going on it and in it uh, and multiple gay sex scenes might make it harder for some people to recommend to more the more conservative friends, right? Um, or or even you know, even if you're not homophobic, right? There are some things that maybe like you know you don't want you don't necessarily want to see an orgy even in the normal rom com, right? So you know, trying to shame an audience who didn't see it into seeing it is definitely not the way I think to get this film uh, seen and grow and get its legs add in that you know October is not a great film a great month for rom-coms historically right um, add in that Hocus Pocus 2 came to Disney Plus this weekend which apparently has a very strong following in the LGBT queer community um, and was and is Disney Plus's breast premiere of, of a film to date right it's gonna need bros is gonna need a miracle to break even off of its 22 million production but it was only 5 million this weekend I mean Love, Simon another LGBT queer queer-centric rom-com came out in 2018, 
you know, did not have the best opening, but still made $11.8 million opening and ended up at $40.8 million domestic and another $25.4 million worldwide. Just saying, at some point, you got to be a little bit more self-aware, and maybe it wasn't the audience's the problem, but maybe it was your film or the way you're marketing it. So, anyway... Mini rant over. Uh, I hope they didn't really offend anyone there. Uh, outside the top five, there's some interesting performances. You know, at number six, we have uh, Pony and Selvan Part One, which is a Tamil language historical epic out of India, which is many have compared to Game of Thrones, but based on real history. Um, especially well, making 4.1 million in only 500 theaters for the highest per theater average of the week in the top 10, 8.2 thousand. Um, you know, Bullet Train officially crossed the 100 million dollar mark with 101 million running total as of this weekend domestically. We also got a new release from Roadside Attraction, The Good House, a romantic drama starring Sigourney Weaver, hitting less than $800,000 in 1061 theaters, measly 751 per theater average. Uh, also, RRR returned to theaters uh, for the Beyond Fest in the in LA, TCL China Theater. Uh, apparently, tickets sold out in 20 minutes, uh, made $21,000 in a single theater. It looks like the Encore, Triple R's, uh, campaign is in full swing as they you know have a four-year considerations page up for multiple uh, categories. Uh, even if it's not going to get the international award, since apparently uh, it went to another film called Last Film So for the Oscars. Anyway, this weekend the box total, total the box office total was sixty two million, pretty much flat from last weekend. This coming box office, we have a wide num- uh, couple of wide releases, as well as a couple of limited films relevant for awards season. On the wide release side of things, we have Amsterdam, David O. Russell's attempt to return to the big screen after some Me Too allegations a few years back. This one had a stuffed cast with Chris- with Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, Taylor Swift, and many more. But reviews have not been kind to of this. Uh, with a twenty century film making thirty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes so far, box office pros has it at 10.7 million dollars not even the number two uh because i believe that uh they were predicting that um smiles would hold on pretty well um and you know and and then of course you have another uh, top film opening next week uh, pretty harsh considering this film has an 80 million dollar production budget what box office pros do number does forecast at number one is going to be lila crocodile from sony uh with pop star sean mendes voicing the titular reptile uh in another talking animal takes new york type movie uh, it's been a while since we had a last kids focus movie i believe it was dc legal super pets and then the next one's all the way in thanksgiving with strange world so the 15 million dollar forecast that box office pros could even be higher um, and at the very least will have pretty decent legs to get over the 50 million production budget mark. Uh, over on the limited side of things, if you're in New York or LA, make sure you check out Focus Features' uh, release of Kate Blanchett's uh, fil- uh, starring film *Tar*, which is about a um, you know a German uh, a German conductor um, supposed to be a strong contender for best actress. And then Neon is also releasing the Cannes winner *Triangle of Sadness* as well. Uh, um, out of there, um, seems like a pretty interesting movie to say the least. Uh, overseas, you know, the biggest news looks like *Ticket to Paradise*, which is another rom-com targeting the older female audience. Seems to be doing pretty well with a 16% ahead of The Lost City uh, before its October 21st US release date, sitting at 43.3 million so far in 59 markets. Uh, over in Japan, One Piece Red continues its run, crossing 16 billion yen or about 120 million US with nine consecutive number one weekends and currently at number 11 uh, all time in Japan by about a billion, a billion uh, yen. Uh, it's about to tie Avatar for the number of weekends at number one. Um, Titanic holds the record, of course, at 25. Demon Slayer, most recently recently was at number at 16 weekends at number 1 also going back to domestic real quick, it looks like out of Japan, G-Kids will be screening Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 early December here in the States. Evangelion was, to remind you, uh, one of the top grossing films in Japan last year at the conclusion of the super popular animated franchise. 
Uh, over in China, October 1 was the national holiday with a couple of new releases, uh, number one being the patriotic action film Homecoming, making $60 million, but compared to last year's Battle of Lake Changjin that made $203 million, it's a pretty stark drop-off. Uh, it even comes up short of last year's second-place film My Country, My Parents that made $76 million. Overall, the total for the weekend in China was 70% less than last year's. Second place went to another newcomer, Ordinary Hero, making $8.6 million. Uh, third, uh, third place went to Give Me Five in its fourth weekend, four point. 9 million. Fourth place was animated film New Happy Dad and Son number 5, making 3.5 million. And then fifth place went to patriotic film Steel Will, making 2.6 million US. Uh, to date, China has made 3.7 billion against 5.9 billion at the same point in time last year, 27% decrease overall. There are no Hollywood films in sight yet for China, though it looks like Black Adam has potential to uh, open up over there, which would be big for both China as well as for the Warner Brothers film. So those are the numbers. Let's look at some headlines both from this weekend and last uh, about film announcements and business. Uh, first on the MCU, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is the next upcoming entry in the in the franchise. Runtime confirmed for 2 hours 41 minutes would be the second longest in the MCU. Tickets have gone on sale and we're looking at tickets about on par with Thor Love and Thunder though from some uh, reports but it seems that you know they also launched about two weeks uh, further out than they did for Thor did so hard to really make too much out of that. Um, Black Panther also was particularly walk up heavy when it first came out so we'll see if that carries over here uh, looking at the upcoming MCU films, you know, last week the big announcement was that Deadpool 3 was in the works, uh, set for September 2024, which I believe puts it as the first film of Phase 6. Um, the big surprise was that Ryan Reynolds was able to get Hugh Jackman to return to uh, to Don the Claws as Wolverine uh, after the after his retirement uh, from the character in Logan. How that all fits together is TBD, but this one looks to be super fun uh, and and you know and, and also interesting from a box office perspective, given that uh, within a month of this we'll have a Joker 2. A another R-rated comic book film that uh, actually surpassed the first two Deadpool films to be the first R-rated film to hit a billion dollars. The first two Deadpool films hitting about 800 million. So we'll see if Deadpool 3, uh, with the added support of Wolverine, is able to uh, surpass Joker and Joker 2. Sadly, less happy, news, less happy news for the MCU, Blade, currently set for November 3, 2023, has apparently lost its director, uh, leaving about two, with Bassam Tariq leaving about two months prior to suiting. Uh, TBD how Marvel will respond and if Blade ends up getting pushed back. Uh, but to sandwich this bit of Marvel news with something a little bit happier, Armor Wars, the TV series starring John Chittle as Rhodey, aka War Machine, is being reworked from a, as a from a Disney Plus TV series to a movie. No information on when it will release, um, though I think at this point making the Blade date might be also a little ambitious given how how close it is. And then Disney also announced that Figment, the d d dragon mascot from the Epcot attraction Imagination Pavilion, was getting a film developed by Seth Rogen, apparently attached as a producer. And then on 20th Century side of things, a fourth Planet of the Apes film uh, titled Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes uh, is in the works, uh, set to happen several years after the 2017 War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, moving over to other comic book movie company, Warner Brothers, no real things over there. Apparently, the Blue Beetle has the full support of Warner Brothers, but we'll see how long that lasts. Um, and the biggest headline for Warner Brothers is that a, a, there's a, they have a new lawsuit levied against them that alleges that Warner Brothers cooked the books regarding HBO Max subscriber numbers over to mislead shareholders during the uh, merger by you know overestimating these numbers by as much as 10 million, 
10 million users, specifically brought to the court by an Illinois uh, police pension fund um, who would have been a shareholder, right? So uh, Zaslav is specifically named as a defendant alongside Warner Brothers Discovery and CFO Gunnar uh, Weidenfels. Obviously, these lawsuits take a long time to make their way through the legal system, but we'll keep an eye on this if this ends up getting resolved or just simply settled. Uh, looking at other studios, Sony picked up the rights to Tarzan, which I'm sure will be another amazing blockbuster for film after the last attempt at adapting Tarzan. Uh, that's sarcasm in case you couldn't tell. Uh, over on Paramount, they have officially removed the Star Wars Star Trek excuse me, movie from uh, the 2020, December 2023 release date. Uh, this film was going to star Chris Pine again, and this happens a month after director Matt Sackman has left the project, so it looks like they're trying to retool things over there. No new date attached yet. Uh, and then Universal has a couple of new projects. American Pie uh, apparently is a franchise that is not yet dead, uh, but the internet was a little bit more excited about the community movie ordered for Peacock, which is going to fulfill the long-awaited prophecy of six seasons and a movie. Uh, over on the streaming side of things, all 25 Bond films are now available on Amazon Prime. Post the acquisition, um, and then Epics, uh, MGM's premium cable channel, will now become known as MGM Plus starting in January. Not sure what the point is since it's all going to be on Prime anyway, but okay. Uh, meanwhile, Epics' former parent company, Lionsgate, is now going to rename their subsidiary stars uh, to Lionsgate Plus, at least outside of the US and Canada. Uh, all of these pluses. Uh, allegedly, Roku and Canal Plus, uh, plus uh, are looking to acquire that service. And then on the Apple TV side of things, with their Oscar hopes dead with Greatest Beer One Ever, it looks like they're actually going to release the Will Smith uh, Escaped Slave movie Emancipation this coming December. Uh, we'll see if that gets any traction, uh, at least awards-wise. Oh yeah, and apparently Nintendo has launched Nintendo Pictures officially, uh, with the first trailer for next year's Mario movie set to come out this week at New York Comic Con. Uh, over on the exhibition side of things, AMC has sold 425 million Ape shares, uh, AMC preferred equity units, uh, to pay down some debt. And then Cineplex, Canada, the Canadian movie theater company, have approached lenders at Cineworld, the UK company that owns Regal that is currently in bankruptcy, about acquiring said company. Uh, Cineworld had actually previously offered to buy Cineplex back in 2019 for about $3 billion until COVID-19 put a kibosh in that and they walked away. Uh, Cineplex uh, ended up suing Cineworld and got about a billion US dollars in debt damages for that lost sale. So now this is a case of the former potential acquiree now potentially becoming the acquirer, how the tables have turned. Anyway, it's about a little bit past midnight uh, and I have to early, an early day tomorrow for my vacation. So let's put a pin on talking about uh, what I was I thought about Avatar the first. Uh, come back to that next week uh, so I can get to bed. Um, with that, that's a wrap for this episode. Uh, Super Meet Ideals for Adults I should cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at B-O-Watchpodcast. Also, it's on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review at the very least. Tell a friend that any of that helps. Uh, numbers used in the show come from dnumbers.com. Intro and outro music from Kevin MacLeod. His stuff is a company of former users I.O. Editing for that's my Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch, and remember, our watch goes on. Mm-hmm.